Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good morning and welcome back to the Storyteller Studio. We are back in Rockford, Illinois at the Edgebrook Center. And we have a guest this morning that drove in from Milwaukee. And he would have the category of my old program director and operations manager. It's Kipper McGee. Whoa. How are you? Hello. Yeah. Just drove in and boy, are my tires tired. (laughs) (laughs) It is one of those chilly days where you go, really? Yeah. Really? But it's not four inches of snow. So we're good. No, we're still in road construction, not yet snow. So thank God for that. Yeah. By the way, before we get going, Liz yeah. Wilder is also here. Well, hello. 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 And, and I want to thank you so much because you are the dot connector of people. You were responsible for connecting us with Jeff Davis at WLS fame. You bet. For doing our intro for the podcast. Yes. He's so, a great guy. So yeah. thank you so much because you know all these people. Oh, yeah. Jeff was my station voice in Orlando and at LS in Chicago. Oh, my. And, of course, came back when we did the rewinds with all of the, Lou Jack and Tommy Edwards, Fred Winston. And he's a, real, he's yeah. a real archive guy, isn't oh, he? Oh, he actually was the LS station historian of oh. record. So he kind of is keeping what you have here. He's the keeper of all things LS. Oh, Because nice. when they changed formats back in ninety. The dumpsters were full, and it was the radio collectors and folks like Jeff and Scott Childers and a few others that went in and got all the jingles, got all the promos and all the stuff. They dumpster dived. They dumpster dived. They went speed lunking because, (laughs) uh, yeah, they... A toss and turn mentality. So, yeah, so thanks to Jeff. I mean, if it were not for Jeff Davis, there would be no archive like this just as if it weren't for you guys our okay z okay probably would not have this either. yeah and people ask liz and i both how do you keep all this stuff <laughs> well you you keep in mind that most of it is flat i mean yeah. look what look what you brought us and it was yeah. in a nine by 12 manila envelope yes and it was maybe a dozen items but it's relatively easy since most of it is flat but it's not like it's cases and cases of stuff. Right. And right. that's what makes the illusion that much better. Yeah. <laughs> like speak well. for yourself. Right? My husband would say, you have too much. No. Too many oh, cases. Never but, too much radio stuff. <laughs> well, being a radio nomad, my oh, wife, exactly. who also used to work at ROK, is Barbara Reynolds. Oh, but, Barbara um, Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, but, but she put into effect during our radio nomad lives a three-move rule. So if we had a box with a shipping label on it, 
and it hadn't been open for three moves, it did not make the fourth. Oh, no. So that's where a lot of stuff went. So that's probably where you know so many people because when she implemented the rule, then you go, okay, hey, so-and-so, can you take this box from me? (laughs) Can you hang on to this? Well, and I always kind of had the the attitude that life is – a contact sport and so is radio it is so when i brought randy cook over from uh, waterloo to do zok and then teamed him with spiff yes i was also by then gone by the time they uh, had the atlanta opening but i helped them meet dennis winslow at the fox in atlanta oh my where the marketing director was none other than Tim Johnson, who yes. worked at ROKZOK and is from Rockford. Yes. So, yeah, it is kind of, a, you know, it's a big world, but a small business. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's, it is. It's a really interesting family because yeah. if you go vacation somewhere, right. which this wasn't a vacation, but I had to go down to Houston, Texas. Sure. And, you know, you're connected on Facebook one way or the oh, other. Yeah. You share old stuff, you know. And Tim is the yeah. is the epitome of having taken pictures with everybody on the planet. He is great. He is fantastic at that because no matter what the issue or what the topic topic he'll end up pulling up a picture and you go hey here's me and oj simpson it's like oh are you kidding me well when i was heading down to houston i touched base with him he showed me the whole big tour oh it the was, university oh, it was it was man. massive and, and we just, what he's built is impressive yeah. yeah and he was running six radio stations mm-hmm. owned by cbs the Super Bowl was coming up to be maybe in two months oh. in Houston. So mm-hmm. he was telling me all what he was doing with the uh, individual stations and where they're going to be located. Right. He's just the most fantastic host. And he was one of the marketing directors at WROK and WZOK. Uh, I think he was right after Greg Lackner. So those would yeah, be and the... I gave him that job. Yeah, did you? I hired him, yeah. Tim or Greg? Tim. Oh, no. gotcha. Oh, Lack the Whack was there before I got there, but uh, rest is <laughs> soul. But uh, yeah, yeah. I would love to Tim see the geometric chart of Kipper McGee with everybody that overlaps. There's got to be some kind of a flow chart that looks like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah, a 3D Venn diagram or something. <laughs> it would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, let's start at the beginning then. Kipper, how did you get started? How did you get into radio? I always wanted to be that. I mean, never had any doubt. My parents had pictures of me as a little kid sitting by Venetian blinds babbling into the bottom of the mic cord before I could talk. And, you know, obviously, um, whenever I had an opportunity during school, grade school, high school, I would always try to do my projects as a radio. So fourth grade, what I want to be. Radio DJ, fifth grade, you know, what's your career path? So I kind of rewrote that all the way through college. That is a cool story. And then ended up um, choosing my college because they didn't have a broadcasting program. Okay, that's a little aspect. Because they didn't have one? Yes, because Uh, they didn't have one, but they did have a radio station. What? Ah. Yes, they had a campus radio station, but it was totally extracurricular. And by the way, this was a private school my parents kind of wanted me to go to anyway. But if you went to a school with the broadcasting department, you maybe got on the air if you were really good second semester senior year. Oh, right? no. Oh, no. As it turns out. No, that's not. Ask anybody who's. I know, but you can't hone your skills. 
It's it's difficult. I mean, yeah, people are a lot of, a lot of people working in the production room, but nowadays podcasting and stuff, there's more outlets for that. Yeah, that's true. Also, fewer people that ever heard of a radio under age forty, but that's another story. <laughs> but what happened was, um, if you were going to a school that had a department, there were a lot of people in it, mm-hmm. and they made you really wait till probably second semester senior year before you got in the air. My at at this place, because it was extracurricular, non-part of any program, oh. I ended up being on the air there second semester of my senior high school year because <laughs> they needed warm bodies. <laughs> I ended up being program director freshman year and GM sophomore year because I had stopped and visited a lot of radio stations. And, you know, Is this gun- a school in Wisconsin? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, Lakeland wow. in Sheboygan. Yep. Get out of here. And that led to a uh, uh, first job up in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Fun loving 15Q. I know 15Q. Yes, 15Q, home of Shotgun Mark Rivers. Now, you need to help me with the rumor because okay. you know Shotgun Mark Rivers can go off in 40 different directions in 40 seconds. Blender with the top off. Yeah. <laughs> On high speed. Yes. Yep. Yes. He said that he taught you how to run the board. Absolutely true. Wow. No, Whoa, that's he did. Wild. Wow. Years ago. At 15Q. And where 15, was that again? Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's not there anymore. I mean, it was uh, it was an AM, FM combo, which later became Q102. Okay. Uh, it was 15Q102 for a transitional period, then Q102. And I worked uh, at both. Uh, but yeah, from there, you know, I took a one closer to school in Sheboygan and became music director in Afternoon Drive weekdays there while I'm still going to school. And P.S., I was an RA at the time. Oh, and there's I, a full table. Well, and, and for one stretch, just to add a little bit more to it, I was doing weekends at Q. I was doing my full-time thing in Sheboygan, <laughs> doing the radio, the RA. I was also in Chapel Musician, so I was doing keyboards <laughs> for that. And, You're not uh, an overachiever at all, are and, you? Well, and the thing was, I was making like two thirty-five an hour, which I think was minimum wage at the time from both radio jobs. Yeah, of course. Oh but but I was also working clubs. So every time oh, I went God. into a, remember the word disco? Yeah. Yeah. I would go into that and make like three hundred bucks a night. Mm-hmm. So I do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We all did that to one degree, mm-hmm. one way or the other. Yeah. Or weddings or whatever yeah. the deal was. And you know, I think the moral to the story, which certainly holds true in today's voice track world, if you can leverage your radio brand, your personal brand, mm-hmm. into something else, you know, whether it's books, you know, reading books for Audible or commercials or industrial tapes i mean there's a lot of opportunity and we are right now Mm -hmm. in the golden age of audio Mm -hmm. yeah but it's not necessarily the golden age of radio as we knew it yeah and they don't attest to that one yeah Yeah. because that's what liz does i mean she's up to her shoulders and people from california and florida and all over the place great wow uh let me ask you one thing that you know when we've got such a a spread of people, I can't keep everything straight. Did you hire or or did Steve Brill follow you? Yeah, I hired Steve to, okay. pro- to program ZOK. After. What happened was um, I was hired by Tom Gray, who had just come in to replace Charlie Quinn. Oh, there you go. Legendary Charlie Quinn. Yes. And so um, as it turns out, Tom 
gave notice about 10 days after I had arrived to program ZOK. To go to Minneapolis. He went to Minneapolis, and he took Bill Shannon, Kelly Ryan. Yes, he did. I'm not sure who else. At the same time, Nationwide in Indianapolis hired Riley O'Neill and John Arthur, the morning guy from ZOK and the superstar from ROK, took them away. Bottom line is I lost 10 people in 11 weeks. My first 11 weeks as operations director. That was the beginning of the year, and we still pulled off. Number one (laughs) ratings was ZOK. And with ROK, it was the first up book in like five. It, we were one book a year, so it was like five years of graduate. You know, 15 shared of 12, whatever. And it was like a high 11, and we brought it back to like a 13-something. Oh, my. Wow. But what, what year was that? Like, that would have been like 84, 85. 80-ish. Yeah, 84, 85-ish probably. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because then I went to New Orleans. You know, one thing about the stations, I'm sure you guys have covered this, but everybody who was there went on to bigger and better. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. You know, Carl oh, Hamilton, C. David, uh, went on to great things and in a pretty astounding career. And uh, Dallas Cole. Dallas Cole, I mean, ABC, he was there for VH1. He was. Yes. A, he edited the front page of AOL as part of his duties there with Time Warner, where he met. Bob Pittman, that led to the VH1. And then, yeah, I mean, just amazing. And the thing was, I had worked with him also at KTI, and he was giving me advice on GOK and my previous station in Waterloo, Iowa, too. I mean, he's always a great guy. But now he's in public radio. And then Charlie Quinn went on to Drake Chenault and some other things. Awesome things. And also, he arrived in San Diego. Just as I was leaving my five-year gig being stationed at KBS 95 to go to St. Louis and enter News Talk. So I got to see Charlie and wow. you know, Barbara, of course, knew him better than I did. But we, we became close friends and are still in touch. Yeah. And for yeah. those of you that don't know, Barbara Reynolds was in the office at WROK and WZOK. Oh, she and Jan and Linda ran the place. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. For, yeah. A, for a very, yeah. very long time. Yeah, don't and, let them fool you. And so, <laughs> yeah, I know Jan you know that were the were the cornerstones for me. They were they ran everything. Yes, I love them. They're yeah, awesome. they they were the backbone for a lot of the events that were yep. consistent oh. from year to year. Yep, uh, chili shootout, raft race, so on and so forth. They had the institutional knowledge. They were awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were other veterans too, but it, you know, they really did. You know, and from a selfish point of view, as far as running the business. They knew by history that there were going to be air talent, PDs, OMs come and go, and they better have those notes and the formula and then just allow those people to sort of drop into line and make it all happen. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, those that didn't want to be schooled did so at their own peril. Yes. And when you're right near the river for the raft race, we uh, all know what that peril oh, is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You better know how to swim. Or Chili Fest. Yeah, they could say well, you did the wrong boat. That's, that's true. So yeah. I'm going to back you up a little bit. I'm going to keep you on track here. Yes, so we've Liz. we've gone through 15Q, uh-huh. and then you were in Sheboygan. Yeah. But you said something about Iowa. Were you in Iowa before ZOK? R-O-K? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was still kind of on air and some other job promotions or music director, something like that. Well, my first programming job on paper was Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
Oh, that's a very artsy-fartsy community. And also, there are really two levels there. You're either very wealthy oh. or very not. Oh. Any guesses where the entry-level radio dude <laughs> fell into that? Let me, let me just ask. It. You probably couldn't afford the artwork, could you? Oh, God. No. Um, so, But as a sidebar, the general manager of that particular station every day broadcast from the Santa Fe Downs racetrack. Oh. Oh, so he was partaking also? Oh, of course. And yes. that was that was his, his excuse to go out and have a good old time all day long. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, turns out, we found out just after I got there, that the way that he was um, stammering, repeating stuff, or, or yeah. just... <clears throat> he was giving information to the bookies on upcoming races that were fixed. So that's where his real money came from. So we're using a federally licensed facility to pass illegal information for a crime family. Bottom line was I got my first paycheck, got out of there, and on my resume it said internship. Good. You didn't want to be affiliated. (laughs) For two weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a great experience in a great town, and yes, it was fun to be there. So where did you go from there? Well, actually, I had had two job offers at the same time, the other in Rochester, Minnesota, at KWEB. So I became, the nighttime has turned to gold with the All-American Kipper. And it was, um, you know, just as oldies were becoming a thing. Yeah. And there was this kind of pent-up hunger for, like, Beatles and Stones and even mm-hmm. at that time, Elvis. And so it was their version of sort of the Saturday Night Cruise? It was of? the Saturday Night Cruise, only it was a weeknight show, and I did it six nights a week. Oh, I see. Seven to midnight, I think. So, so to back up, how, yeah. how did the name Kipper McGee come along? That came in Santa Fe. Hide your identity? <laughs> well, no, I was always called Kip or Kipper or Kippy, you know, whatever they wanted to you know, change it into. But for radio, um, at first I, I was using a, a program director name from WOKY in Milwaukee, George Wilson. I was Kip Wilson on oh, the air, okay. but didn't use that very much. You know, just used first names because that's how 15Q kind of was. You know, it was a gun or GT or, you know, whoever okay. it was on. <laughs> okay. Um, but then my dad always used to say, taint funny McGee, meaning yes. Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> yes, of course. So ah. I became Kipper B. McGee on the air. Oh, my. That's cool. And actually used that for most of my program career. And uh, it still pops up now and then. But we kind of dropped the B when I got off the air. Yeah. yeah. They didn't want some person walking up going, oh, are you related to Bobby B. Soder? No, yeah, really? Right, right. Really? That doesn't connect. <laughs> it doesn't no. work quite that no, way. No, not at yeah. all. Did yeah. you ever, as a program director yeah. or an OM, did you ever give somebody a radio name when they were sort of lost with what to do? Yeah, although I'm not really remembering specifically what they were. One of my first general managers, though, he, he basically... You'd choose your name from this set of first names, mm. this mm. set of last names, based on what they had jock shouts for. Oh, and then they edited it? Chuck Knight. <laughs> Bobby Wilson. You know, That's yeah. hilarious. Oh, and that was done more than you think. Really? And even with singing jingles, because if they had that, they were the same melody line, right? So I could be Tim Wilder, and she could be Liz Larson. <gasps> if you had shouts... Oh. One edit, oh. one edit each, and you got it. 
Wow. Yeah. I I think this <laughs> might have to happen. I think I kind of <laughs> like I like I like Liz Wilder. Well, yeah. I know, but you know, sometimes you just need to try something else off the menu. That's true. Yes, that's, true. that's interesting. Speaking of shout-outs, yes. um, you may uh, have a story behind this, but I saw your name pop up on mm-hmm. Ellis Feaster's uh, YouTube uh, Air Check channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were good friends. Yeah. He does an amazing job. He's of excellent. Yeah. Digging up all this stuff and presenting it well. Yes. And it happened to be on the B96, WBBM FM in oh, Chicago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The B96 yeah. from 1983. Sure. He, he shouted out and he says, hey, thanks to Kipper McGee yeah. for supplying it to me. Yeah. And I think Bill Shannon is sort of a, another person that's in that layer oh, of Ellis well, Feaster and Jeff Davis. Yeah. And, yeah. Bill's way up there. I yeah. mean, he, he knows, he's among the best collectors. He knows how to do the magic to a nasty tape, too. His wife became very happy now that we have MP3s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. um, now she can park her car in the garage. Well, <laughs> if we had had an iPod oh, and a Kindle, my moves all would have been in one briefcase. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, my, my well, wife is still mm-hmm. after me to get my library pared mm-hmm. down. Well, but, and, and Liz and Chuck Doyle and I always talk some way or the other where we used to haul in the records and haul in the turntables. Oh, yeah. And now... And two, reel-to-reel. If oh, you, yes. If you had yeah. two MP3 players and a board... You're done. Yeah. And that's what he does now. Roger yeah. Peter's the same way. Yeah. This is yes. just small. It's almost a little bit bigger than a laptop. And it is kind of a laptop. And he just walks in. Yeah. And then you bring in the uh, Hostess cupcake-sized <laughs> Bose speakers that can yeah. blast out a gem. Yeah. You know, and, and you're set up in five minutes. With, with Exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. Hey, I want you to uh, give me sort of the behind the scenes to one of the coolest things I've ever received from anybody and happened to be from you. This was um, maybe 2010 or 2011 when I received it from you, mm-hmm. is when you organized the WLS Memorial Day broadcast. The Big 89 Rewind. Yeah, yes. all, all of the original music radio All those people. Yeah. How did you herd those cats? And well, how did you get involved in it, first of all? Well, actually, well, I was PD at the station, so ah, I was able... Okay. Nobody would tell me no. But, but the other thing was our FM was back to LS. It had been a number of things, and most recently alternative when I got there. Oh. And uh, I forget the call letters. But a year? 2005, I guess. Yeah, the rewinds were, I think, were yeah. in 2008. Eight, okay. yeah. yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, if you want to know, I'll be happy to tell you why there wasn't a third one in 2009. But, sure, um, we love dirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, at the time, number one, Biondi, Dick Biondi, the legend of Chicago radio, yes, uh, was still working on our FM, WLS, FM at that time, okay. as was, I think, Fred Winston and Landecker were all part of that team. And this is way beyond the WDAI and the WRCK days. Oh, yeah. And then it was something else and something else. And I think it may have slipped back to like Z95 for a while, you know. I mean, yeah, if you were to track those call letters... I have not done so, but... uh, Somebody will. Somebody will. Everything but country, it sounds like. They were country. Do were they really? really? Yeah, or or either that or very close. No, no, no. The story is um, when Tom Trattup was a GM at LS, mm-hmm. 
And he was the one who was there when they switched to talk radio. But they were in a meeting, and they came about 15 minutes on a conference call, about 15 minutes from flipping to country on 89. That was it, because MAQ had switched from country to news talk. Oh, so they wanted to fill that gap. Were they going to simulcast? No. Because they simulcast Larry Lujak for Oh, quite a while, and did yeah. that, you know, and that was that was John Guerin's uh, run as general manager, and went through some really good people as PDs at that time, but they were really struggling because FM was just moving in. Yeah, of course. And they weren't quite sure what to do with the AM, and they actually got so bad on eighty nine. After Steve and Gary left, or were left, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Uh, escorted to the which, door. Which, by the way, was probably a perfect direction for LS. And had they still been a thing, I would have jumped to having them when I was there as news talk programmer director, because yeah. I'm not all for political talk. But all the time. when you were programming WLS, were they on the loop? No, they were separated by that because because. Gary had had a, about a ten-year run with Rural Khan on LS. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they were. Yeah. Yeah. So after okay. their decade of service with Steve and Gary on the Loop, then Gary ended up with Roe, and after that, never the Twain shall meet. Although Gary did show up at one station event in an emergency, we were having a remote. Okay. And it was kind of based on uh, the whole Robert Palmer thing. Yeah. And actually, Richard Marks was going to be the guest, I think, oh, guest yeah. musician, because every time LS, you know, we sell music contacts. Yeah. So, like, whenever I did a remote, we would have, like, Survivor be the house band or Vehicle, yes. Ides of March, <laughs> uh, which is pretty much the same guy. It is, Jim, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we had Nielsen in once, Cheap Trick, and um, Sticks, you know, would, would be there. And then even older groups like the Buckinghams, kind of a drag, would would come in and just be the house band. Kind of of like Johnny Carson, you know? All those great Chicago-oriented bands. And our goal was to be as local as could be. Right, right. Because at that time, GN was kind of, they were still local and still all locally hosted as they are today. But during a phase there, they were really trying to be more of a Midwest, you know, everything to everybody. Yeah. 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 And E squared equals zero. Emphasize everything, (laughs) emphasize nothing. So, um, yes. That belongs on a t-shirt. Do you realize that? uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've got another one called If It Ain't Woke, Don't Fix It, but I can't get anybody to make that one. Um, (laughs) And I'm not going to. But, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So we got these guys together, and I had actually, Lou Jack had been reaching out ever since I got there because he wanted to be a warm, fuzzy sidekick teddy bear with somebody. Are you kidding me? I no. Thought Lou Jack? Cu- I thought he cut the rope and went to Albuquerque. Oh, in Santa Fe. Okay. Ironically, yeah. And, and Judy and everybody. Well, for the first rewind, Larry was on ISDN from Santa Fe. Whoa. And there were videos made, Volvo videos. So, of course, that was portrayed, he said, via phone line, but it was ISDN. Uh, But the second year, I got on the phone with Judy. And I said, hey, Jude, why don't you come back and spend a weekend in in Chicago, do what you want? You backdoored Larry Lujak? A little. (laughs) 
Oh my he god. He can do that. Well, he can, that's cute. He can do that. Well, and also in that corner was Tommy, little Tommy Edwards. Yeah. You know, he was a great guy and and he was on our side too. Yeah. So, uh but the thing was, yeah, we got Ludge back to um to Chicago and part of the deal with our knowledge, he actually interviewed with GN to see if they might have a slot for him while he was up on No. Yeah, our, our nickel. Can you imagine what that would have been like if that actually happened? Wow, well, that's uh, a path. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the thing is that probably wasn't going to happen because they didn't want ISDN at the, at the yeah. time, um, and I think still don't. But bottom line was it was great, and you know, Fred Winston's wife was our realtor when we moved there because oh. we had known them for a while, and then. Um, Landecker had to take him out to lunch right away, and I actually hired him. He was doing part-time weekends for us on the talk station. Oh, my. Yeah, and then he'd fill in, and he was really a great talk host. Yeah. And he wanted to do something with his then-college-age daughter, Amy. She's a cinematographer or an actress, isn't she? Amy Landecker, who went on to movies and TV series and stuff. She, wow. yeah, she's she, she's got her own IMDb page. Wow. And for for those of you that don't know, that may be listening to this podcast outside of the Rockford and the <laughs> Chicago area, John Landecker is now doing evenings Monday through Thursday, seven to maybe whatever eleven, yeah, or, yeah something like yeah. that on WGN. WGN, where he's able to do boogie check again, because one thing we found out when we did the rewinds is we weren't sure how that was going to go. <laughs> Nobody ever is sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I had like one or two stunt callers ready to be on hold oh, just good, in case. Good move. But, oh, showbiz, buddy. I know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but what happened was, as soon as he said, hey, coming up, uh, whatever, we're going to do boogie check, all of the LS lines lit up. Yeah, they exploded. It, it, it was like Don and Roma were on a hot topic. I mean, yes. it was like every line and we were answering as fast as we could. Well, it turns out these were the same people, but they were listening to the grown-up version now yeah. as I was marketing in every promo during the hour, mm-hmm. the station you grew up with has grown up with you. And then we cross-cycle to the back to the weekday lineup. It was it was yeah. such an incredible broadcast to hear. Yeah, it was because you brought back people like Bill Bailey. Yeah, uh, rest his soul. Chuck Knapp. Yep, Napper. Yep. Yeah. This is the first rewind. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and Napper actually, uh, I knew him from Minneapolis, is where we met because he was up at KS ninety five for mornings forever up there. Here's where you blew me away, though. Yeah. Catherine Johns came back in the sure. news department. Gil Gross came back. Yeah. He, yeah. Gil Gross used to fill in for Paul Harvey for crying out oh, loud. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. No, Gil's a, and Gil's a great guy. And unfortunately, it was a casualty of the cutbacks when the new owners took over. But uh, okay. the, the almighty budget, you know. And did, and did Art Volo do all the video for the rewinds? Because yeah, I, he, I, he did. I remember when Gil Gross was introduced by Fred Winston for the news. And Gil had... A very very old WLS T-shirt. Yes, on, he did. Which was a little on the tight side. Yeah, but it still sort of hung oh, true. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so cool. 
Yeah, and you know the same thing happens with the ROK ZOK reunions when they have them because mm-hmm. you know it depends on who comes back, but um, you know probably ready for one again because I think the last one was right before pandemic. Yes, and it and was great seeing you know some of the people. Yeah, that was the one at the Stone Eagle. Uh, Lisa Fielding was the yeah. the, the head on that one. Yes. Um, and, and WROK's 100th is coming up probably in October of 2023. Oh, And okay. I'm not really sure what they've got planned or where it's yeah. going to be or whatever. But uh, even people that have come in here, mm-hmm. uh, Ken DeCoster and John Strand sure. and those people, they come in wearing their garb. So they, wow. pull, they pull it out. Steve Summers and Fred Spear did the same thing. Wow. And Fred Spear literally took the shirt off his back. Oh, my. And and gave it to us to hang up in our little collection museum here. Oh, that's the kind of guy yeah. he always was. So if that polo shirt could only talk. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Imagine yeah. the stories there. <laughs> yes. Fred Spear, R-O-K News. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's great. And, and boy, I mean, slept with scanners on. And oh, yeah. he would call in at 3 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon. Yeah. Which... Most, just most morning drive newscasters don't do today. I know, exactly. Yeah. He's just incredibly dedicated for yeah. 44 years at the radio station. And that's that's the odd part of any radio station, and I'm sure Liz can probably agree to this. Mm-hmm. Any radio station, you see the air talent come and go, and good God, Lots it's a times. revolving dollar, and you just can't yeah. keep track of who these people are. But yeah. then you better keep track of them because you may run into them back coming again. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. John Arthur came back, sure. you know, once on the AM and once on the FM. But the news yeah. team, solid as a rock. Oh. Mm-hmm. Always. And that was the cornerstone. And, you know, when you today rank reasons to listen, number one is local content. Yes. yes. Number two is personality. And in research now, as of 2021, the lines have actually crossed that people are listening to radio stations more for the personality and the content than they are for the music because music's available on any platform, yes. anywhere, anytime. Yes. And as our network hosts, you know, because they're podcast, you can basically listen to Elvis Duran or Scott Shannon. Yeah, you know, and you and you can to. you can literally hear the pendulum swing back mm-hmm. the other way. And when I went into a Museum of Broadcast Communication event in Des Plaines, you know, John Records Landecker yes. and Wendy Snyder and W and uh, um, Tommy Edwards was there, and yeah. they asked them at the end. Yeah, they said, "Where do you see the future of radio?" And Tommy Edwards really had a good answer. He said, "If you had your favorite pizza joint on your side of town, five blocks away, and you've been there since you were 15 years old, and they decided that they were either going to move to the other side of town or completely close that location, what would you do?" He said, "You would seek out the content." Maybe you wouldn't frequent it as many times as you did when it was two blocks away. Right. But you would drive to the other side of town. Right. Yes. And he says, I believe that it does not matter the vehicle that people are going to seek out the content. Exactly. And hopefully, because he mentioned this too, he goes, hopefully it's not always politically driven. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, no, no, it can't be. Yeah, it's entertainment and yeah. it's companionship. It's an and, escape. Yes, it's an escape. All those things that radio meant to those people when they were growing up, 
He goes, it's just a matter of coming back around through another vehicle. Agree 1,000%. And, and the listeners are telling us that. It's just that the industry is not necessarily listening to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've kind of been working on in, ever since the middle of the last decade, I wrote a book in 15 called Brand With, mm-hmm. which is the idea of taking a media brand, personal or corporate, or brands, and using all the bandwidth options to get it out there. Okay. So that would encompass on-air, online, on location, you know, wow. however you did it. Because why wouldn't you? Because back then, an advertiser would say, well, I need to be on radio, I need to be on TV, and I need to be in the newspaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same formula. It's just other devices. Yeah. And yeah. At, at the time we uh, rolled out the podcast from the, of the same name, Dave Martin and I, uh, at that time, it was like a snowman, okay, where the base of the snowman, the biggest s- snow bundle, mm-hmm. was the great unwashed, the people that, oh, radio's never, you know, the same people that were saying TV is a passing fad <laughs> or that wanted to keep radio serials on the air because TV wasn't going to happen, so let's keep dragging on radio, oh. you know, that, that kind of thinking. Wow. And, and of course, that changed, and... What we're seeing right now, I think, is we're seeing in real time the curtain on the radio burlesque show stage coming down for like the final time. Interesting analogy. As we transition into what is next, which many people would call the new transistor, although most of the people we are targeting to never heard of or have seen a transistor. So it, it, to them, it's just their mobile. Yeah, know? and you might as well be talking about the rotary phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and now with new things that are coming out, including the latest thing I saw at CES, was a ring that could become a projector and put your screen in front of you so you could touch screen. A ring that goes on your finger? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 007. <laughs> do, yeah. Do, do. But it, ancient, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like a cross between wow. Matrix and, you know, I mean, all this stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Minority Report, you know, where you're touching you know, things that are going on. Wow. But, but that's actually becoming reality. Well, this is the year they also had a flying car, which is. Oh, true. Yeah. That's true. Interestingly, yeah. uh, the leader in that right now is Apple. So it's really just an iPhone that flies and you happen to be able to sit in it, right? And and did you hear Delta Airlines placed an order with somebody called, I think it's Joby, that will make these sort of drone taxis that will come and pick you up at the house and bypass all the traffic in Los Angeles and New York. Those are gonna be the first two communities and take you to the airport. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. And Jetson is not that far away. I well, just and can't imagine. And his birthday was earlier this year because the character George Jetson from TV actually was born on like July 17th of 2022. <laughs> Oh, which funny. was, you know, in 62, that was a far way off. And wow. here we are. And it's almost true. In oh, the, my gosh. In, in some of the notes that I have here, so I don't forget to either ask you or tell you or bring mm-hmm. up the story. Whenever I see your name, and this is not necessarily a Facebook thing, because, you know, lots of times people now, when they recognize somebody's name, they automatically think of the image that's on their Facebook page. Oh, I thought you were going to do a karaoke version of Stevie Nicks there no, for a no, second. No, okay. no, no, okay. no, no. Whenever I hear your name, and this is such a good thing that the mind is doing this for me, 
when you came in from the bullpen area mm-hmm. and you pushed open the door that is the hallway between the newsroom and the AM studio, right? And then you pushed up, which those were the biggest and heaviest doors on oh. the planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we saw some comparable when we went into WGN's uh, new yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. bomb but, shelter proof. Yes, yeah. yes, right. yeah. Bomb yeah. But but ROK and ZOK still hold that title. Uh, you would shoulder the door. Mm-hmm. And you would sort of look over your glasses at me. And, of course, I'm on the air. And whenever you would slowly shoulder the door and look over your glasses, I knew that you would have something for me that either would be, holy crap, how am I going to be able to do that in three days before the weekend? Or it would fit into the category, I've got this great idea. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Let's do it. And one of them that I remember, I mean, there were many, you know, as you well imagine, because I was a promotions director. You came in and you said, all right, this is just this is just a thought. But I think we really need to put together a Super Bowl event for those that don't like football. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, what the hell do you want me to do with that? Mm-hmm. Super Bowl. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, you said, think out of the box. You said, I'm not talking about NFL Super Bowl. Right. Think of how we satisfy those people that could not give a crap about who's in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Joe Larson, you remember Joe? Totally. Okay. So Joe was doing nights maybe at six o'clock that night or something like that. And he and I put our heads together and we ended up running the event. And you said, um, it needs to be a couple weeks before the actual Super Bowl and it needs to have a beer sponsor and everybody needs to get a t-shirt. Though That's the only thing that you gave me. And Joe looks at me like I got three heads. You know how that goes. And we ended up doing the Super Bowl event, and it was at Park Lane's Bowling Alley. Right. And we got Bud Light as our uh, sponsor. Yeah. And we printed up the T-shirts, and the place was completely packed. Yeah. It was so much fun. So all these people that were like football wives, you know, sure. that type of thing. The widows. Yes, the, NFL the football widows. widows. Yes. Although yes. that would be sexist now. <laughs> yeah. We need to be cisgender. So go yeah, ahead. yeah. But that... Which, guess, by the way, would make your switch and jock shouts perfectly it would. It would be perfect. It would be perfect. <laughs> but, but that was the really cool challenge of working for you because it was not, okay, let's take the same template that we did last year and let's just do it again. No. <laughs> I mean, that only works for so many things, like the chili shootout and the, yeah. and the raft race. Yeah, the benchmark you, things. Yes. Totally. You yeah. have to be innovative on all the and topical and changing. And if and you're not Relevant. Fresh, yes. yes. And not yeah. just in the ratings book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we would often come to Tim and say, okay, we need you to be creative in three, two, one, go. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I get you. We all have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Kipper, tell me one of your favorite stories about a promotion, with or without Tim. Oh well, you know. From our okay. Yeah, the, there okay. there were so many, but I think you really, you know, I'm going to switch gears. I, I was going to say, you know, Jan's uh, chili shootouts and r- river raft races were unbeatable. Yeah. But I think one that we did that was really very cool was when CDs first came to, into play. Okay. Mr. Nolte, who had invented the cart machine, which yeah. radio was playing music and commercials and other things on, mm-hmm. he invented that. And I it's walked home. in. I walked into his uh, office. I said, "You know, they got this new kind of music here, and it's CD quality. You know, it's it's excellent quality and stuff." He says, 
we're going to get him. And so we, sure enough, we got him and actually went through several different players because they didn't have commercial like Denon's at that time. Oh, we my. were buying right from the residence model, you know, yeah. and they wouldn't queue up or, you know, you'd hit them oh, in wow. 2001, 2002. Yeah, delay. Oh, yeah, I right? just imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but we ultimately came up, we house broke the system and then came up with Mr. Nolte wanted us to come up with a brand for. The music, so it was on ZOK, and so the brand became Laser Rock, laser spelled with a Z, the same Z that was in the logo of the station. So we got Laser Rock on, we did a number of promotions with that, but ZOK, because of Mr. Nolte, was the first station in Illinois, including Chicago, to go all CD with music. Oh, cool. And the killer thing was, I walked into him, I said, you know, Mr. Nolte, this is probably going to render cart machines obsolete, at least for music. You're shooting yourself in the foot, mm. sort of. And you know what he said? It's time. Really? It's had a good run. Flash forward, I'm at a group meeting, and Tom Hunter, former PD yes. of ZOK, the yes. one who went from beautiful music to, at that time, evil, decadent, long-haired rock and roll before it was a- AOR, before CHR. But Tom That's a said, really long title, isn't wow. it? Yeah, but Tom, Tom said, Mr. Nolte said the exact same thing when I suggested putting a bullet in ROK FM and making ZOK a rock and roll radio station. It's time. It's had Very its run. forward thinking, wasn't he? Wow. See, I never had the opportunity to meet Mr. Nolte. Oh, you yeah. guys worked with him. Yeah. Tell me what you thought of him and tell me about him. The first time I interviewed with him, he was talking about every artist that was on the top 40 chart. He was talking about, yes, Fleetwood Mac, Michael Jackson. And he knew what he was talking about. You know, he knew what the labels were. He knew how the industry worked. He also knew that the when you got to a certain pay rate, you had maxed out your potential in what he could afford at the time, coupled with the understanding that the better the place that Charlie Quinn went to or that... C. David Hamilton went to, or Dallas Cole, or Tim Fox. Or Kipper McGee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I went to New Orleans, B97, which was top 25 market at I the time. I love that radio station. But he knew that that, would be, that was his recruiting tool, and that's how come ROK and ZOK were such a dynasty in the industry, mm-hmm. is because everybody, I mean, you know, you got guys in D.C., guys in Denver, guys in San Diego, well, guys in Miami. Yes, it's exactly. Sort of the, it's they, sort of the same. They are the springboard. Yeah, this it's the, the same formula as universities. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. Come to us. We will prepare you for yeah. this. And, like, I gave Lisa Dent her first full-time radio job doing middays at ZOK. But she then parlayed that into Houston, San Diego, yeah. 20 plus years in country in Chicago and now at her dream station WGN where she's doing afternoons I mean it, you know. she's doing an incredible oh, job phenomenal yes yeah. and she will tell you over and over and over again I am a student not only of this radio station WGN but I'm a student of the industry of the industry I I dig in and I love hearing about stuff and that's why she's doing so well 
And she credits her time at ROK as being kind of the formative start of all that. Mm -hmm. She does. Yeah, because she had done part-time in small market stations like in her hometown and yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. nobody had the structure. And I mean, the thing I learned at 15Q, which was also true at ROK, ZOK, is major market is an attitude, oh. not a zip code. And there so are some true. great sounding stations, you know, in, in very medium markets right now. Mm -hmm. And sadly, major markets aren't what they used to be, don't pay what they used to be, don't bill what they used to be, yeah. and are kind of leading the charge in radio not having anybody under 25 listen yeah. to it because all we wanted was 25, 54, mm -hmm. because that's where the boomers were. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. and well, guess where the boomers are now. They're yeah. like yeah. all 50 and 60 plus, yeah. and the one station that's doing well, and he wasn't an ROK alumnus, but he was certainly in the loop because he had programmed Madison and whatnot, but John Sebastian back in Phoenix oh, with WOW FM and former GM Jeff Trumper from WLS is his GM. Oh, my. Actually, he's an owner. And they have got one of these suburban rings of partial signals, you know, and they are number 150-plus in Phoenix. That's crazy. That's Speaking revenue. Speaking of— And P.S., people over 50 do know what a radio is. They and do. They actually <laughs> aren't afraid to use it. <laughs> Speaking of Phoenix, yes. Uh, here we go with Liz and you and me and Shotgun Mark Rivers, mm -hmm. which is now Mike Lamb, or always has been Mike Lamb. Yes. And here we are 44 years later from the day that I met him, mm -hmm. and all four of us are connected right. through either an internet radio station with four channels called Sky 7. Yes. Or websites. Yep. Or he is the host of and the creator of this mechanical part of this podcast and also our Life's 3x5s podcast. Yeah. And I think it's part of that whole thing that if you keep the dots connected, mm -hmm. it's not like you're trying to keep those dots connected in order to pull in a token, no. but it allows you to down the road, decades down the road going, hey, what do you think of this? And hey, I can help you with that. And that's what generates this cool industry. And to add one more dot, the very podcast hosting service that this podcast is using yes. is created and the CEO of the company is a guy by the name of Mark Asquith in the UK. Yes. Who is a friend of mine who I met at Podcast Movement in, I think it was Dallas or Chicago. We've been in touch. Uh, I connected them with Shotgun. Come on. With Mark, wow. Mike Lamb. Wow. And you met at a convention. Absolutely. And wow. he was putting out a podcast series at the time. I became a listener, started communicating with him, and... Next thing you know, we are like Christmas card friends. And, you know, and, wow. yeah, yeah. And, and just to jump a little bit, I, yeah. I've got one more thing for you before we close up. Sure. Because as you can hear the mumbling in the background, we have herded the cats and we're going to have lunch here at Edgebrook. Hey. So it's going to be Liz Ooh. and me yeah. and Kipper yeah. and Doug McDuff Ooh. and Fred Spear huh. and Chuck Doyle yeah. and Bill Shannon. Wow. Yeah. What a lineup. There you the go. The restaurant will never be the same, first of all. No. 
Yeah. So that is another example of connecting all the dots. And it's just, it's so much fun. Here's the thing that I want to know. Just like fantasy football. Yes. Right? If you could build a fantasy radio station right now, and it does not matter how you know the person, they could or could not be connected with WROK and WZOK. They could either be dead or alive. It does not matter. If you want Walter Cronkite on your news team or John Chancellor, it could happen. Mm. What would be your fantasy radio station, including music director and program director, lineup, yeah. And yeah. news? And yeah. Well, yeah. actually. <laughs> On the spot now, isn't he? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm going to start again with the brand with concept, okay? okay? Which starts with the idea of what is the branded content. So using what could be ROK and ZOK as kind of a, template okay since that's our that's our kind of nucleus here i would probably make the rok brand oldies radio classic hits and have an fm with it now that we can i would have zok stay chr okay now i don't know a lot of the players of zok since like mandy james left i mean that's about as recent as i got with with that Mm -hmm. but um all time i'll come back to the lineup but the organizational structure is i would have tim johnson in charge of the online things if i were gm i would probably have dallas cole be the brains behind the integration. So he'd be like the brand manager. Okay. But not a PD. Not quite yet Is because it? I think see I think things are a little bit more in you know not integrated than that. So yeah. the person who's watching off the brand, which means the logos are right and things are good on the web and things are good socially and it's all happening on time and scheduled, structured, uh-huh. given direction. Because I think the newsroom would have to be on air, online, and I'm not sure about on location, but definitely more text active. You know, you want bulletins, you know, sure. and people can sign. You know, I mean, why spend 20 minutes reading school closings on the radio when I can text? You know, yeah. And, yeah. and now, I mean, yeah. many schools and, have got on. And it's that not too. only how the news uh, department would have to disperse it, but it's also now how the news department is receiving the news, too. Right. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And well, how the consumer is, because the consumer mostly is not sitting down and watching nightly news anymore. They're not listening for news on the radio. Well, they want it when they want it. On demand. And bits and pieces so, because so attention like, span. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and so the stations that I consult, um, one has got an off-air news website. Okay. Okay, just basically for the people in that market. But they were out cuming the newspaper in the market. <gasps> yeah. I mean, their page views exceeded. Yeah. Uh, the only difference at the time that was uh, analyzed was Sunday's. The Sunday paper edged them out by like a thousand people. But man, think of the power now of adding that to a radio news sponsorship. And by the way, you get this mention. 
They weren't doing a newsletter. They are now. Yeah. They weren't doing text alerts. They are now. Well, think of the other sponsorship or revenue generating when you spread yourself out like that, too, because now you can sponsor every blip and every click of the mouse that you do. Absolutely. Wow. And the other thing is you can also sponsor the text content because when that jumps back to a landing page <laughs> on your mobile no i mean it's all there i know i plus, experience it plus, plus you can measure it know who they are integrate the use and for that would be tim johnson oh there tim you johnson. go okay because he's go. he's got that analytical mind and working under dallas yeah you know he'd have that then for pd um you know, I'm not really sure for, for either station. I mean, for oldies, honestly, I think if I could bring in just somebody who savors, gets, and understands, that would probably be Tommy Edwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was a PD at LS for a while and mm -hmm. did the Arrow in Los Angeles and ODS in Boston, lots of other things. So he's really, a, a, I think, a quality guy and can coach and probably – and have him on middays on the oldie station too, because he's so he's smooth. He's the ultimate. Yeah. By the way, did you know that he hired Yvonne Daniels? No. Yes. When oh. when he was on the panel in the Displays event, he was talking about something, and he mm -hmm. just sort of side noted. He goes, "By the way, mm -hmm. I hired Yvonne Daniels," and the place wow. went nuts. It's like we didn't know that. Yeah. It yeah. was really cool. Yeah. No. Uh, lots of things there, but yeah, and then and then for that, you know, I I'd line it up, but I, I think for the oldie station, I probably would do um, Randy and Spiff. Okay. Yep. Mornings, Tommy Middays, afternoons. You know, there were so many people that came through. Uh, R-O-K-Z, okay, they were good, but I probably would do Shotgun Mark Rivers. Okay, nice. And then for evenings... If, if, if the reel-to-reel -reel can survive his banging. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It was shotgun phone calls, and he would bang whenever there would be a punchline or yeah. a new call yep. or something. Yep. And I said, did you never have Vern Nolte walk in and go, dude, I own this can you be a little softer on the yeah. on the case for the reel to reel no he just couldn't that was his thing yeah yeah absolutely uh similarly lou jack used to kick the spring reverb all the time at ls and that was you'd hear that ring that was him kicking the oh, funny. spring reverb purposely which, or accidentally no on purpose oh to accentuate <laughs> points and stuff usually during animal stories wow. but um yeah, 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 yeah. Hitting the boom of the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so who would your evening be? Evenings, probably uh, John Rock and Roll Anthony was an old ROK guy back in the day. Okay. Oh, overnight. So. Uh, <laughs> like a, he throws it away. Yeah, overnight. I, I, no, I don't. I, I don't want to throw it away. But uh, you know, there are so many people that came through that really were very good at that. Um, you realize you hired me for overnights mm -hmm. back from Charleston, West Virginia, right? When Kelly Ryan and Bill Shannon left with Tom Gray to Minneapolis, right? And I go, God, I really, really want to come back to my hometown, but Kipper, geez, really overnights? Yeah. And you go, trust me, yeah. it will not be long. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. It was a revolving <laughs> door. That's a training ground. And I think yeah. I was there on overnights maybe three months. Mm -hmm. And then you put Jim Schaefer and I as an audition, one week oh, apiece. Uh -huh. Remember Jim? 
and yeah. uh, and then it changed. It literally, and I don't say this flippant. It changed my life on so many categories doing middays on WROK mm-hmm. because of the opportunities. Yeah. And there's program directors and, and operations managers that I can't say this about, yeah. but and I don't say it because you're sitting across the table. You gave us a long leash. Mm-hmm. You would always walk in with whatever was either at the top of your head or proposed by a sponsor or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter where it originated from. Yeah. And you were always looking for the one really good reason to do it, not the eight reasons not to do it. Right, right. How and can we? In what yeah, ways can, can we? That's right. And then you would just sort of push it across the table and go, go make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, the trick is, I think, for a good coach is let them know where the end zone is, where the out-of-bounds markers are, mm. what you're going to get called for by penalty. That's a great analogy. And then have them play the game. Pass them the ball. Hire people that you trust, that understand what you're doing. Yeah. Give them that guidance. Yeah. Very good. See, he did it. I Almost. couldn't get that done. Um, I, couldn't get I, right. I thought having Mike Booms would sort of take yeah. rid of that, but no, yeah. he gets all he kinds of, work. yeah, he gets animated. Oh, well. Uh, yes, that's why I soon was off the air. Um <laughs> No, actually, I, I came off the air when I was PD and knew that I could get better people. And and, and being on the air is a little bit of a distraction when you're management. Oh, horrible. You know, I feel so bad for these guys that are programming, you know, four stations and three markets uh, and then doing two air shifts in two different markets or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Guys and gals are in that position. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. But I think Carl Hamilton really did himself a good justice by mm-hmm. being on the air from nine until 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. He was after people like Scott Wallace yeah. and Mel Young. Mm-hmm. And he was before Jack Randall and then Dan Campbell and those kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, this is just me personally. I think that if you've got that little bit of a foot still in the studio, mm-hmm. that air check sessions go so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and ZOK, you know, because I'm, I'm shifting eras here. It would be a time warp, but... Um, That's okay. You know, I think they have, like, Arthur O'Neill on mornings, if we could. Okay. Um, probably Lisa Dent middays. Wow. Um, you know, afternoons on ZOK. You know, probably Wicket, you know, because, I mean, he was morning guy after Randy and Spiff. But, yes. boy, he, he was good, too, and also showed his shop, chops. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Wicker, Jeff Wicker, I'm sorry. And uh, um, a, that was the era that I worked with. Okay. Because I came gotcha. in after Kathy Hart. I took Kathy Hart. So, place. what shift did you do? Middays. Okay. Well, then, it, for this one, we'll put you on nights <laughs> just because I already did middays, but we do that. I could do overnights, no problem. Yeah. I could do whatever. <laughs> and, you know, actually, overnights, one of my part timers I heard was Dave Smiley whose parents owned a religious station in the market, but he wanted to rock and roll. Well, long story short, he is now a morning guy for like 20 years at ZPL, Indy's new Apple in Indianapolis. But he was a great overnight guy back in the day. How old a guy is he? Oh, by now he's got to be mid-40s, maybe pushing 50. Okay, gotcha. All right, just curious. He was in high school when, when I first hired him. Wow. And also when I was GM in Des Moines, I brought in Jim Schaefer, Mm-hmm. Well, actually, when I was operations after Saga bought the company and 
brought me with them. Uh, I became operations director of what is now six stations. It was an AM, FM when I came out to GM. Well, a we lot got, of them were. And then we got bought and so on and so forth. But when I left for San Diego, I brought in Jim Schaefer to replace me at OM. Wow. So is Jim Schaefer still in the industry? He is not. No, he actually, he's out in, in New Mexico, and the last we talked, he's working for a big oil company. Hello. Yeah. Did, did he ever spend time in Montana? That I don't know. He worked for the Inkstead family. I know he did lacrosse for them. Okay. He went to Allentown, Pennsylvania for a while, too. Okay. And then... Because um, when I try to look him up, Jim Schaefer pops up a lot of times, depending on how you spell it. Yeah. And that's the one that I sort of narrowed it down to in Montana, but I couldn't be 100% sure about it. Yeah. Really and then he programmed for what was, uh, uh, at the time, Lynn Broadcasting, and did a couple of their stations, including WMYX in Milwaukee, which was the first hot AC. Wow. And is still kicking butt today there. Wow. I think the most fun I had with Jim Schaefer, and, and of course, back then, we wore ties. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah, when you're on the air, you were wearing a tie, and yeah. it's because it was during the business day and all that stuff. And now, now that we have cameras in the studio, <laughs> yes, you better wear a tie again. No, no, I know, I know. At least wear pants, though. Uh, but uh, we had sort of an open remote deal with mm-hmm. Rax Roast Beefs. Do you remember that? Oh, Rax, yeah, yeah. And that was those deals where any of us could go out to a location sure. and we were doing some kind of a bumper sticker promotion or something like that. Oh yeah. Window it, sticker. Yeah. Big, Stick-ificate. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was a whole big book thing, you know, with some kind of a grand prize and Jim and I would just go out and just do these shows and pick a nice day. And we just had the nicest time. And yeah. that just, that sticks in my head and I got pictures to prove it. So and, it was fun. And, and theater of the mind too. I mean, it is, it is a matter of, of now translating that theater of the mind to theater reality because it's not going to be long mm-hmm. until we have the virtual meta technology that people will be in the studio with you. I oh, know. Yeah. I don't want to be an old fart with that, but good. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But but that would be a hard replacement for what we've got going today with actually having the people in the same room. True, but it was also hard for people to give up their butter churns. (laughs) It was hard for people to leave railroads for trucking. (laughs) It was hard to do aviation. You know, it's going to be hard to move uh, to cars that fly, but they're here. You're not a radio consultant, are you, by any chance? Well, kind (laughs) of. Actually, actually, I will say, though, that over 50% is pure play online. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed about the technology is uh, as long as I've got the time zone right, we were talking about Jeff mm-hmm. Wicker. Mm-hmm. As long as I've got the time zone right, I can pull him up in Richmond, Virginia on Mix, Mix 98 right. and listen to him. And I worked with him 30 years ago. Yeah. Same goes with Mark Larson at KFMB in San, San Diego. God, there was a time where you just you begged for that opportunity and you just couldn't do it. Right. And now you do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I had this dream that you could just like a jukebox punch in call letters yes. and get any radio station from anywhere. That's so cool. But it's, it's a little differently, you know, yeah. and now you can carry that jukebox with you. Although the guy <laughs> and the guy who created MP3 lived about two blocks away from me in San Diego that created it. On his little uh, 
little laptop, Tandy. You know, I mean, this is back in the day. Come on. Yeah, we wanted a nine terabyte hard drive, which, you know, now are like handheld. Wow. Yeah. It took us nine one terabyte machines so that we could play the music by wave file and not MP3. Wow. Because on an FM, if you played an MP3 with the transmission and the mountains and everything and the terrain, oh. You'd get mamas, but not papas. Or Are you you'd kidding get me? Peter Paul, but not Mary. It would it, drop a channel? Oh, yeah. It would phase cancel, and the transmitter was di- digital, so it would automatically try to do that. Oh, so we God. needed to go to a digital source. Oh, my. Because in the early days of CD music, it was mostly needle-dropped CD for the catalog stuff. Wow. Yeah, Tusk was the first album recorded digitally for CD. Fleetwood wow. Mac. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm impressed not only with who you know, what you know, but that you can pull it at an instant depending on what little path we go down. Not everybody can do that when they know so much. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when you've been exposed to so many people, I think their stories, which I would never know the difference, but I think their stories get all sort of mixed up. Oh, yeah. And you just bam, bam, bam. You just have it categorized in your head. Thank you so much for coming in. I do have parting gifts for you mm. from Storyteller Studio, oh. WKTI uh, in Milwaukee, WGN in Chicago. And um, it, it's been really, really fun for you to come down from Milwaukee. I really appreciate it. Great what you've done here. Congratulations. Thanks, Kipper. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Storyteller Studio in celebration of WROK Radio's 100th year in broadcasting. of the 60s and 70s. Liz Larson. WLUV. The best of the 60s and 70s. Tim Wilder. WLUV.